you've probably heard trust the process before. It's been a saying around for the number of years, right? But have you ever noticed that we don't set process-focused goals to do just that? This is episode 217 with Lauren Williams on process-focused goal setting, how embracing being this produces more success. You're tuned in Forever Athlete Radio, where together we go far. I'm your host, Corey Camp, and I appreciate you being here with us today. Lauren is a former hockey player turned mental performance coach at Stonehill College. She has a different approach when it comes to setting goals, which we really talk through today. At this point, we're a few months into 2023, and odds are you set goals a few months back that were focused on outcomes that you wanted to achieve this year, which is nothing wrong with that. That's how all of us have been taught to really set goals for the most part. What Lauren and I talk about today, though, is the importance of process-oriented goals, how to detach your self-worth from the results that you're chasing after, and so much more. Grab a notebook on this one, a notepad, and take some serious notes because Lauren shares a lot of actionable golden nuggets with us, and you're going to want to start implementing those today. This podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp, helping you simplify your therapist search in a way that makes getting you the help you need easy. Therapy isn't just for when you find yourself in a dark hole with nowhere to go. I've personally found it helpful to connect with a licensed professional on a frequent basis to proactively talk through the puzzles that I'm actively solving in my life. And thanks to BetterHelp, you as a listener of the show can try therapy today for 15% off your first month. Head on over to BetterHelp.com slash foreverathlete. That's BetterHelp.com slash foreverathlete today to learn more and connect with a therapist that understands you. Now back to the show. Lauren, what is going on, girl? It's good to see you. Yeah, it's nice to see you too. I'm like, number one, I was going to say this before we hopped on, but is it still bright where you are? Is your lighting situation just that good? Uh, no, lighting situation is that good. It's, I mean, it's <laughs> it's light out, but uh-huh. we got some artificial light going on behind the scenes. Oh, yeah. I'm jealous. I missed like pretty much all of the daylight today. So, but let's let's start. That how do you stay motivated this time of year in the Northeast of all places where yeah. you got these long days and you're barely seeing the sunlight? Um, I mean, I think like, and of course, this is one of the things that ends up going pretty quickly for me is um like trying to get out and go for a walk throughout mm. the day. Um, it's really helpful when you have a dog that is like, hey, I need to go for a walk. Um. But yeah, I mean, I think first and foremost, being honest with the fact that like this time of the year is not ideal for getting adequate sunlight exposure and all that kind of stuff. Um, So finding motivation from other places and like really keying in on why I do what I do um, and hitting that level of like passion helps me stay motivated. But there are days where I'm not and that's okay. (laughs) I'm glad you brought that point in there too, right? It's yeah. I think it's this false uh, narrative that we're gonna be motivated 24 seven every single day. I yeah. got asked that recently of someone. I was on another podcast and so was like, "So what's your why? What gets you out of bed every day?" I was like, "Let's be honest. There's gonna be some days where I just don't want to get out of bed." Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. part of it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd be yeah. curious. You said other things that motivate you right now, like what? Where is that motivation lying? Is it more external, internal? Because I know that's going to tee us up to go into this goal setting conversation here in a second. Yeah. Um, 
I think it's about having a really healthy balance of both. Number one, like you have the external stuff that you want to achieve, Mm. but understanding that like, if that's all you're giving yourself, then you're going to pretty quickly start having a conversation about like, well, I'm not there yet. Right. And if I'm not there yet, it's not good enough. And then me personally, I would start spinning my wheels on like, what can I do to overwork myself to get myself there quicker? Um, So other things that keep me motivated, it's super convenient that I have two roles here. So I'm the assistant women's ice hockey coach and also the mental performance consultant at Stonehill College. Um, So I kind of get to dip into both roles when I need to get a little bit more motivation. Um, So if I'm not feeling it in the hockey world, sometimes I get to dip my toe into like, you know, how can I have conversations about mental performance right now? Because I know that that's something that makes me feel good. And I enjoy talking about um, what can I do outside of work, period, to Mm -hmm. give me a little bit of boost. Um, But yeah, I wouldn't say it's necessarily like a single thing or group of things. Although getting a good workout in is always something that helps me with motivation. Because if I can do that, then I can figure out how to do everything else in my day. Yeah, I'm with you there. It, mm-hmm. Like life is so much easier when you're able to knock that thing out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it also like gives you a really good hit of gratitude as well. If it's something that you want to key into, because mm-hmm. it's a privilege to be able to push your body in that way and not everybody can do it. So even if it feels really hard or it sucks that day, like being able to kind of key into that is is big as well. Yeah. What what kind of workouts or workout styles are you really into exploring right now? Like what excites you in that realm? Is it still similar to the hockey training? Because I know you're still playing a little bit, right? Yeah, not playing so much anymore. But as a coaching staff with such a young team, because we've got a lot of freshman players, um, Mm -hmm. given that we all played at the college level and pro level, um, thought it would be good to get into the gym with them to show them and kind of model what we were looking for in terms of like, whether it's just effort or camaraderie in the gym, like all that kind of stuff. So I've been doing like college (laughs) athlete workouts, um, and I'm feeling 26 at times, (laughs) which like sounds so ludicrous, but athletes will know, um, Yeah. So I do that. I work out with the team twice a week and then I'm like super into Peloton Mm. because I like listening to people talk. Like obviously I'm a people person. Um, So I really enjoy the treadmill runs and yeah, that kind of breaks things up for me and makes me feel like I'm paying attention to two different forms of my fitness, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Mm. That's awesome. I was going to say those running apps in general, I feel like are such a, a game changer, especially if you're doing tread, uh, running on the treadmill. I, we got hit with an ice storm here in Austin and I'm in the process of, of training for a marathon right now and had to hit two runs on the treadmill. And I just hated every second of it, but at least one of them wasn't steady state. One was like intervals and things Mm -hmm. were changing. The other one was just very much go easy. I'm like, ah, this 55 minutes of easy on a treadmill Mm -hmm. is brutal yeah I haven't see I'm kind of the opposite way I haven't gained that skill of knowing how to make an outdoor run interesting okay (laughs) 
Um, so for you, it might be like 55 minutes straight on the treadmill is sounds terrible. But for me, I'm like, it's planned. I don't have to go anywhere. I don't have to plan a route. That sounds amazing. <laughs> Which is weird. Cause if you think of my background in swimming, where I would like, you would think running on treadmills, boring, try staring at a black line with even less sensory yeah. stuff going on, but at least you're, you're traveling and there's some walls and change of direction mm-hmm. to me, the the treadmill was just like, it's way too stationary. I love the outdoor run. And I mean, I I can't tell you how many times I've gotten lost um, just (laughs) going out for a run. I learned very quickly out and back. You got to be able to come back. You get lost in flow and just go on the out. And then you're like, I'm seven, eight, 10 miles from home. Like that's the, that means it's doubling up on the way back. Call the Uber. Yeah, exactly. A friend yeah. of mine told me he do- he doesn't believe in going backwards in life, so he never did out and back runs. He'd either do loops or call an Uber. He'd just go oh. super far and call an Uber back. I was like, yeah. that must be nice to be able to afford an Uber every time you want to go run. Like, yeah. I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah, I um, I got really into and I get into outdoor running during the summer. Mm. Um, just you know, living in a place where you have all four seasons I don't love like running in the cold um but I did a probably the longest run I've ever done in my life I think I went almost eight miles and um I ran in the direction of my parents boat which is quite a drive and I was like just keep an eye out for me whenever you see me just stop and pick me up (laughs) <laughs> and I got to like mile five and, you know, being a hockey player, number one, we don't run a lot. It's a sprint sport. I'm like, I think I've been doing this for a long time. I'm getting a little concerned right now for how much longer I can keep going. Um, but it's the one thing about running outdoors is it gives you a unique opportunity to try and push yourself beyond any goals that you had set, I guess, or expectations that I had. So I was like, well, I guess I got to keep running because I can't let my parents drive by me and me be at just like a walk. Like I have to be running when they drive by me. So, Yeah. Otherwise, who's going to believe you that you ran? Yeah, I know. And like, I can't let myself down like that. Sorry. (laughs) There you go. And uh, (laughs) I love it. I love it. So in the theme of goal setting for for this conversation, it doesn't sound like any running goals right now for you personally. No, (laughs) no, I'm, I'm. Thinking about maybe doing a, a triathlon. I've done a triathlon before when I was a lot younger. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Running goals. I just like to do it to stay in shape. I'm not sure I want to compete in it. A hundred percent. I think that's what I, I'm learning too, is there's like, it's okay to get into things post-sport for mm-hmm. the sake of just like you enjoy it. You don't have to turn it into this crazy competitive thing. Or run a half marathon, yeah. run a marathon, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I might want to do that someday. Just it's not on my radar right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't blame you. What um, yeah. in, in the theme of goal setting, like let's, let's switch the conversation there. How have be curious for you, like what ways did you set goals as an athlete mm-hmm. and how are, has that changed at all now that you're on the coaching side of things, helping these athletes improve their performance through goal setting. And then Mm -hmm. also what does goal setting post sport get to look like from what you've seen? Um, 
as an athlete for the majority of my career, my goal setting was entirely based on like what I was achieving. Mm-hmm. Um, it was almost always completely focused on an outcome to the point where like, even in the gym, if I had the process pieces of it, it was no longer a process. It was four different outcomes that I was trying to get to, if that makes sense. Um, getting in and doing some like mental training with a coach and starting to talk about what it means to be process focused helped. But while I was still in that environment where the outcome was so important to me, it was really hard to let it go. So I found myself thinking all the time, like, yeah, I can break this down into a process, but I'm never going to be satisfied until I get to that outcome. And sometimes it worked. Sometimes it really motivated me to do well, but other times it was just really frustrating. And I found myself like straying from the process of it all because I got so frustrated with any kind of setback that like, it's no longer about the process. It's all about how I'm feeling and the emotion and the fact that I'm disappointed in myself or whatever that may be. Um, But now that I'm away from athletics, it's all process based. It's kind of funny. Um, And it took me like getting away from that sense of I have to achieve to actually fully buy into the process. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's honestly the reason why I'm okay with running without a goal. And I'm okay with like going in and working out with our team and like really not caring too much about how much I'm lifting compared to them. Hmm. That's huge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think people yeah. realize like how big of a deal that, that latter part is too. Cause the, yeah, there's that ego piece that can come into play. That's like, Hey, I might be older than you, but trust me, I'm still stronger. I'm still, you know, I can. Yeah. And I think this. that still comes in at times, right? Like I'm still competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's no longer a threat to who I am as a human being if I quote unquote lose that competition. Yeah. Um, when I was an athlete, it was a threat to who I was as a person if I did not achieve or if somebody did better than me, regardless of if they were a teammate, if they were an opponent, if they were my best friend. It yeah. was like, mm, did not do good things to my mindset at all. What do you think shifted that allowed you to to find that peace? Almost in because there's a there's a big differ, difference there. I want to highlight that it's it's not that you lost your competitive edge. You didn't become soft, mm-hmm. but there's this piece in because you hear it oftentimes. It's like I don't like winning. I just hate to lose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How does that actually serve you? Like, is that the mindset we should be chasing? Um. I think the shift honestly was taking a step back from it. Mm. Um, if, if there is one recommendation that I could make to athletes everywhere, it's to really put honest effort into trying to coach your sport. Um, and I think being able to, to take that step back to remove myself from all the outcomes that are involved in sport was something that helped. Um, and it's certainly something that you can do while you're in it. Um, I think of like off season all the time if you're just in training. But um, 
yeah, I don't, funny thing is, is because we're so like obsessed with the outcome or like in hockey, it's how many points you're getting in a season, how many wins Um, for swimmers. I'm sure it's related to time and there goes my lights because they turn off all the time in here. Um, But it's related to like how fast you're swimming and all that kind of stuff, how you're doing in the depth chart. But we think that that propels us forward. And the reality of it is, is it takes your attention away from all the stuff that actually propels you forward, Mm -hmm. which is the small detail oriented things. The, like you said, the ladder of it all. Right. Um, And we're taught to think that way. Right. I looked up this thing. So I had a meeting with our women's basketball team on campus, talking to them about reframing goal setting when you're not having a winning season. And I looked up like how to be a good student because they're student athletes. So it makes sense. And there's like a list of seven things and it's like, ask questions, show up, be present, work hard, prepare for finals, all that kind of stuff. And nowhere in that list did it say, get a certain grade. Mm. But then you look up good student. And one of the first things that came up was an A on a paper. Right. And it's the same thing where like what gets put on the fridge the paper that got a C or the paper that got an A. So we're, we're conditioned to believe that like the outcomes are what we should be chasing because that's what we got validated for as kids. But the process is what hopefully leads to the outcome and is what you should really truly value. Yeah. I guess my question there becomes, I actually had a really good discussion with a friend yesterday on this. I wish we recorded it because it was, it was that good, but it was kind of around this basically ability to detach from expectations, detach from the need of a certain outcome to Mm. trust the process. Cause I think it's like, we, it's easy to say, Oh yeah. Like I'll, I'll ask really good questions. I'll study really hard. I'll do everything with my control, but only if I get it like a B at the, the lowest grade. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if I don't get least a B, then I'm going to be upset. I'm going to say that was a waste of time, yada, 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 whatever it may be. Same thing with sport, right? Like we're going to dedicate all this time, energy, and effort towards a certain outcome. Mm-hmm. And if we get close to that, then we can objectively say, yeah, that was worth it. And yeah. then, so what have you seen, at least in sport in particular, ways that athletes have been able to detach from that outcome and truly buy into that process is it an ability to like just surrender to the like truly where their feet are right now and how do Mm -hmm. you navigate that with needing some sort of goal to like know what you're driving and striving for again it's and I think it's important to have the goal that you're striving for like that external thing because that's kind of like the lighthouse that you're trying to find Mm -hmm. Right. Um, But especially in the college setting, I think there is a part of it that coaches can really help with. Like, how do you validate the the process? Um, I don't know if this is true with like swimming or other sports, but in hockey, um, we tend to have like meetings at the beginning of the season, the middle and the end. And, you know, what kind of conversations are you having with athletes about the beginning of the season and what their goals are 
are you helping them start to to break it down and look at the process of it all? Because um, if you model that, then they start to learn that like, oh, this person who kind of has a lot of control over how well I do values this. So maybe I should as well. Um, but there's a lot pulling at student athletes. There's a lot of expectations for how you're supposed to perform in the classroom, for how you're supposed to perform on your team. And I'm using the word supposed to yeah, like purposefully because if, especially as a, a first year in college, there really shouldn't be a supposed to you're in a learning and a development year. Um, so I think part of that is like, you know, how can you start to set up a system that you are consciously paying attention to the process? And I think that comes from like, taking those big goals that you have, those outcome goals and breaking them down into like, for example, three things that you could be doing daily in practice mm -hmm. and then ranking yourself. How did I do on those three things? And I mean like super, super detail oriented, the smallest tiny process goal of whatever the behavior is that you're trying to get. Um, rank yourself afterwards. How am I doing? If you give yourself a five out of 10, you know that it's just something you're going to work on tomorrow in practice again. Um, but yeah, like you can't value the process if you don't invest in it and you have to invest the time and energy in planning the process. That was always the trickiest part. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so what I, what I really like what you just said there too, was the frequency of the check-ins. It wasn't just a set at the start of the year mm -hmm. and then kind of like, pray, surrender, and be like, okay, like maybe this will happen come postseason. But mm -hmm. there's that mid-season check-in as well. And it and and just knowing you, I would imagine just the level of conversation on a more day-to-day -day basis is very open and fluid mm -hmm. to have those things be revisited. How yeah. much do you think that plays a role in success, so to speak, of people actually being able to follow through on whatever goals that they are setting, whether mm -hmm. they be more external, like X amount of points in a season or achieve whatever status might be, um, or even just being like, I want to be more present on the ice. And like when I'm on my shift time, like I'm there, I'm not worried about what's for dinner afterwards. Yeah. Accountability systems are huge. Um, and if you're not holding yourself accountable, you have to remember that nobody else is going to hold yourself accountable either. Um, and the, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess the roadblock to doing that, because we all know, or a lot of us anyways, know how to like create a plan, like a step-by-step, -step, this is what I want to do. Mm -hmm. The roadblock to actually doing it is the, what if I do all of this and then it doesn't work out? what if I do all of this and I still don't achieve that thing? Right. So we like count ourselves out of um, getting that like successful start and giving ourselves a fighting chance at being able to accomplish it for some arbitrary fear that, you know, we've walked ourselves down a pathway that's not even paved yet. Mm -hmm. um, so being able to, to hold yourself accountable frequently, like daily, even the, the preseason, midseason, end of season check-ins is not nearly enough. Yeah. If you're 
if you're going and investing time in training or in going to practice, we all know how easy it is for that hour to just like fly by and you're like, I don't even know what I did because, you know, student athlete lifestyle, you're caught up in the exam you have tomorrow, the homework that's due, all that stuff. So you should be doing it on a daily basis every time that you've got that training session or a workout or a practice, because if you're investing the time in it and the whole point of it is for you to grow and develop, that's how you do it is by creating that accountability system where all you're doing is checking in on how well you're doing. Cause that's all that success should be is it's just a measure of how well you're doing. Mm. That's a good point. Do you think success looks different for everyone? Like do you encourage your athletes to sit down and define it for themselves or what does that process look like? Absolutely. It looks different for everybody. Um, I think about just the girls on our team and what their parameters for success would look like. Different roles in different sports have a different idea of what success should be. Again, on a team, you always have that like team goal, but you have to be able to show up as your best self in order to contribute as best as you can to that team. So maybe I'll edit what I just said. I think there is a common success between people and that is like finding a way to show up as authentically who you are Mm. because when you're able to show up authentically as you good stuff happens um but then like specific to your sport i think success looks different for for everybody yeah well i was about to say to even echo that it's like we're all unique in our own ways like Mm. our uniqueness is our superpower like the you and I have so many similarities, but we also have so many things that make us us. Mm -hmm. That's, I would be remiss if I tried to play, tried to podcast like you speak and coach and, and vice versa. Right. So the more Mm -hmm. we can lean into what we do well, I think the better off that container is and the, the easier that container is. I like to say and encourage people like, play a home game. You might as well play to your strengths. And like, yeah. we, we tend to play best at home, right? Mm-hmm. So what can you do to create a home game environment where you feel confident and comfortable stepping into whatever that space is? You can play loose. You can play like yourself in yeah. that process. Mm-hmm. But you have to be able to acknowledge like what your home game is too, right? There's so many people out there that they're so focused on all the things that they don't have and all the negative that they see in themselves yeah. they don't even know what what the home game looks like they don't even know what their strengths are i'd be curious i mean one of the things that comes to mind immediately there is the social media and the and the role that that plays be curious from from your position as a coach obviously there's this importance now for athletes I mean, nil is available they're able to take advantage of building a personal brand and and storytelling who they are not just as an athlete but beyond that as well mm-hmm. how are you helping your girls like navigate that element of things is that even something that you guys cover or what mm-hmm. because i think that can be a, as much as it's a really powerful tool it's very easy to pull you out of you could be as rooted and confident and like this is who i am and then you could open up that app and within oh. 30 seconds, you're left questioning, but she has that and he's doing this. And 
like, why don't I do those things? I should be yeah. doing that. Yeah. Oh, and in the sport context, it's like, it's just magnified, right? Because you're like, quote unquote, superstars, the ones that are externally achieving all the things that society has deemed important. They're the ones who get like the social media recognition. Um, and I can think of like, we just had it happen. We have two players on um, like a national watch list, mm-hmm. one for, or two for rookie of the year, which like is amazing. And and that accomplishment for them should feel like, I hope it feels good. But on the same wavelength, I look at that and maybe it's coming from my own experience as an athlete um, and my awareness of how that feels to not be that athlete. Mm. And you look at that and go like, man, my contribution just must not be as good. And I think that social media has this great power over the way that we view ourselves and the way that we place value in different things. Um, So combating that is, yeah, it's hard, but as a coach, like in that specific situation, my focus is on what can I do on a daily basis that helps these kids feel valued? What feedback can I give? Mm-hmm. Um, how can I show it consistently? Um, but yeah, I also acknowledge that like you repost that stuff, right? So all the girls see that and they're like, ah, oh, coach reposted this on her story. Like, that's pretty sweet. I'm not getting that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I hate, I like, I really hate and love social media at the same time. It's, it's just not the most important thing, Mm. but it is the most important thing. Yeah. I was about to say, especially in sports, right. Where it, there's not a ton of revenue coming Mm. in, (laughs) practically nothing. in in men's swimming, I remember having a discussion with a friend and they were like, Oh, but you like had a full ride. Right. I was like, (laughs) Men's swimming has one full scholarship to split up among 28 guys. Like no one was on a full ride. It was like everyone, it was essentially Oprah being like, you get a thousand dollars, you get 2000, (laughs) you get a thousand and just split it up that way. Um, I I wish there was an opportunity through like the NIL and, and social media like it is now. But I remember back in the day, uh, did you guys ever have message boards? Like the parent or like fan message boards? Yeah. Did you ever find yourself? reading those because I remember I would go down the rabbit hole occasionally yeah we had a whole like fan message board Mm. where people would just go off on the most arbitrary things and like sometimes you'd go I'd go in and like read it for the laughs but then other times like if I knew I had a really good game and I didn't get that recognition from somewhere else it'd be in the back of my mind be like oh I wonder if someone on here noticed anyone (laughs) check the message boards lately (laughs) yeah right um yeah, I, and it's not. I it's not a bad thing to want that mm. stuff. I think it's human. It's natural. We're social creatures. We want to feel validated by the social circles that we deem important. But it's when that's all you have, then it gets concerning. Yeah. How do you? How did you? And how do you now? Maybe find that quote unquote healthy balance, or just even just recognizing like, oh, I'm maybe checking this for the wrong reasons right now. Like I'm checking this for the, I didn't get my 
my flowers at the game. So now I'm going to get them online afterwards instead. I think you got to start having a conversation with like how much you value your own opinion, number Mm -hmm. one, um, and how much you actually love yourself. Right. Um, A big shift for me uh, when I was in college, I did not value myself aside from my sport and the achievements that I was able to, you know, get to or whatever. Um, To the point where I remember like, part of choosing the school that I did. And that whole process for me was like, well, I want to have a full scholarship so I can tell my friends that I have a full scholarship and, and then they'll think that I'm good at what I do. And if they think that I'm good at what I do, then maybe finally I'll believe it. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Didn't believe it once I got there. Um, but yeah, like I think a lot of that, that need for external stuff is because there's a hole within us that needs to be filled. Right. And the sad truth is that no matter how much you try to dig from outside of you to get dirt, to fill that hole, like it's never going to happen. So if you notice that you're in that spot where like, maybe you're on the journey of bettering yourself or on the way to achieving some goal, if you start to feel like, well, I really need to get some validation from somebody else. I need somebody to tell me that I'm doing well, or else I'm just going to quit. It's like, where's your relationship with yourself at? If you Mm -hmm. value that so much coming from somebody else to the point where you're saying that your own opinion of where you're at isn't important anymore, I want to have a conversation with you about that. Yeah. How do you like, how do you start to get out of that hole if you're that, if you're that athlete or that person or the Mm -hmm. self-talk is so much on the quote unquote negative bad side? of yeah. things where where do you start like what does that get to look like one of the biggest questions is like especially when it comes to achievement is what does that mean about you right so what belief do you hold about yourself that's being triggered by that and the main i always end up forgetting one of these so bear with me but the main things that you're always trying to um live by accomplish in your life is the need to feel loved, accepted, accepted, worthy. Um, and here I'm going on this. I always lose a couple of them. Uh, accepted. I already said that one. There's a couple others, right. And we're always on this. Does this make me feel this way? Or Mm -hmm. am I allowing myself to feel this way right now? Um, and when we're at that point where, you know, you're starting to think about the external stuff and you're like, I'm nervous or I don't feel good about it. It's often because the belief that we're holding about ourselves is the, I'm not worthy. If I don't achieve this, I won't be accepted or I won't be loved. Um, oh, seen and heard is another one. They're just going to come to me randomly throughout. There we go. We'll, <laughs> we'll chop it up. Yeah. So the, um, the example that one of my coworkers uses all the time to explain this is like, you're sitting at a red light and you're behind somebody. And let's say that like it goes green and a couple seconds roll around and they're not doing anything. And all of a sudden you start to get really heated and you're angry because they're not going. Um, and then maybe they go and you're like, you're still heated heading into it. You get to work and you're still like, oh, that guy may be late, whatever. If you look at that context without any other parameters around it, 
you you got delayed by like two seconds, it really doesn't mean much, right? Like you just, oh, you sat at a light. Okay. But the belief that we have about why that's important for us and how we see ourselves in that situation and what that means for our ability to feel seen and heard and accepted and worthy and loved, that's where that emotion comes from. So maybe the real context of that event is you're running late for work. You have a really important meeting and the a-hole in front of you doesn't give two craps about that because he's texting on his phone. And now like, now look at me, I don't feel seen or heard. I don't feel like I'm going to get accepted at work now because I'm late. Right. Mm. How do you handle that better? (laughs) because <laughs> I feel like someone might be listening to this in the car right now and they're running late and this this exact scenario has happened to them. How yeah. would you how would you navigate that in a way that allows you to get what you want, get what you need essentially in that scenario? Oh, I could spend like hours talking about this. Um, but when when those beliefs are triggered, right, and we start to feel that emotion, um, there's a really cool sort of theory in psychotherapy called internal family systems that talks about how um, we have all these parts that are built in to protect us. And if we're feeling strong emotions, it either decides that like, you need to run away from this. We need to extinguish this now or like, okay, you're okay to feel this Um, inside out. The movie was actually made based off of um, internal family systems. So like, You've got the angry guy in your head. You've got the the sad one, the happy one, right? Um, so I think getting to know what situations are triggering you and what manager that's kind of firing off and why, it starts with like, A, noticing the trigger, noticing that you're feeling upset. Then doing the, you know, the heavy lifting of why am I feeling this way? And then getting down to a level that, you know, no one teaches you how to do in school, which is what do I believe is true about me in this situation right now that's making me feel this way? And once you can start to do that with yourself and get to the like, oh, I feel unseen, I feel unimportant, um, you can start to do it with other people. So like on a team sport, you know, that different people react differently to, you know, not succeeding or making a mistake. And there's always a couple difficult personalities where they blow up. They really don't handle it well. And the natural reaction is to say like, oh, they're probably pissed at me. Like I did something. But once you get better at understanding those manager parts, then you can say like, oh, so maybe what's happening here is something is triggering a really negative belief about her and what's making her lash out at me is that manager that's saying you can't feel that way you can't look in the mirror and say you truly believe that you're not good enough right now because that would be catastrophic so we're going to throw up the manager of like angry angry pissed off push everybody away so that we don't have to deal with that and it kind of helps you take a step back i guess yeah, and I was about to say I feel like that's the 
the master's level of uh, put yourself in someone else's shoes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. And the more familiar you get with yourself and your own story and the way that things work in your head, I mean, we're all human beings. We may be unique, but mm. same thing's happening in other people's brains. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hearing there too, is there's that element, especially in team environments. I don't, I don't think it is just exclusive to team sports, but most mm -hmm. people listening to this have coworkers and do, oh, a, yeah. do a job with, with other people around them. Like this applies there too. And in leading with grace, I always like to say it's, very rarely do the people around you actually have like malintent towards you. Like their intention isn't to mess up, to attack you or mm -hmm. whatever it may be. It's most commonly just a miscommunication, uh, a misunderstanding yeah. to your point, those, those needs not being uh, met in a lot of ways. So if you can take a step back and lead more with grace and compassion, maybe that offers an opportunity to, to remedy that situation mm -hmm. as a whole yeah I think that if we had more of that ability to take a step back more like you're saying grace and compassion and just like especially in the corporate world yeah. more more trained leaders that we would be in such a better place where do, where do we start to to solve or tackle that issue and does that start on an individual basis? Like again, like if someone's listening in here and mm -hmm. they find themselves right now being like, that might be me. Like maybe I could be better. I find myself quick to anger. I find myself quick to whatever. And how can they start to train themselves more or less? Or is the option like you got to go to therapy or you got to go to, to X, Y, and Z, whatever it may be. Hire a coach. Hmm. Um, well, I'm never going to say that having a therapist or a coach is a bad thing. And if you want somebody to talk to, um, I think being able to talk about it is huge. Um, if you're at a place where you're okay with like, hey, you know, I think I can give this a shot. It's starting to pay attention to when those emotions come up and whether or not like you just do a quick breathing exercise as soon as you start to feel it or literally take a step back from a situation um, if you're in a heated conversation with somebody, take a step back and start to have that dialogue of what am I feeling and why? Mm. What am I believing about me right now? So that you can start to create a foundation that you're going to stand on, right? As soon as, it's like I said earlier, as soon as you can start to do this for yourself, you can start to see it in other people and you can start to teach it. And the interesting thing with all of this is, is it goes back to goal setting, right? Because half of the time when we get so angry about something not working, it's because we're thinking about the external thing that we're not going to get as a result. Um, and in the corporate world right now, we are so hyper-focused on that. What is the yearly revenue that we need? What's the productivity numbers that we need? You know, oh, I need to work overtime so I can get that bonus for next year, whatever. Um, and it's costing us greatly in terms of our health. Um, it's like there's numbers in the U.S. right now. It's like 120,000 people a year die from poor work management. Wow. Because it raises your levels of cortisol. Like it, it causes an increase in, you know, stress hormone. It, it 
causes increasing cardiac diseases as well, right? Because we're just stressed all the time. Um, so once you get to that point where you can have that conversation with yourself, then you can start to have the conversation about like, what are the realistic goals that I should be focusing on? How can I start to reframe some of these scenarios that are constantly triggering me in this way? Because they're current, they're obviously not serving you, mm. right? We're not built to be stressed all the time. We're not built to um, sacrifice our well-being to make 10,000 extra dollars in a year. That's not what it's supposed to be. Yeah, I was about to say, it's such a good point there, right? Like, how much do you actually, what is the actual ROI there? Yeah. Is yeah. is that truly worth it or is that better to, to walk away or just readjust what i'm yeah. hearing a lot is really just to sum it up like set better goals yeah <laughs> From seriously that. set better goals that you can measure on a daily basis and yeah. not by saying i'm not there yet because that's like that. not enough well i was about to say because i think the the current way that to your point that things are set up. Mm -hmm. I mean, even like how goal setting was taught to me in swimming, being a, a more, I kind of miss how straightforward it was in the sense of it was time-based sport. So I had yeah. great feedback, real-time feedback of where I was at, even like during the race itself, was I on pace or not on pace to hit mm -hmm. X goal? Um, I don't think it, like exist it doesn't have to exist like that anymore right. um because even that i'm like i i can't check in on a day-to-day -day basis right so but even then though like it's unique right because that is such a the sport itself is built to have those reminders in and and mm -hmm. if you're looking at it from like checking in on your goals you're like well they're in my face all the time and i get reminded multiple times during a race if i'm doing well yeah. But my question would be what set you up to be on pace or off pace? What was within your control that might have contributed to being on pace or off pace? Mm. And that goes down to like the mental prep, the physical prep, you know, did you eat well? <laughs> Like all of that stuff is within your control. Where was your confidence at? Did you do anything to help yourself feel confident? Or were you so focused on hitting that like below minute mark on a race that you worked yourself up into a what if, what if, what if conversation yeah. ahead of time? Yeah. I was about to say the, the funny part, I was a distance swimmer. So I always remember like they would, we would have our counters and the way you would communicate during the race essentially would be like hey if you if the counter's still it means mm -hmm. like cool you're good you're cruising you're on pace you're, you're in a good spot keep doing what you're doing if it starts to move like side to side it means like hey you should really like, really kind of try to pick this thing up here like you're starting to fall off a little bit and then if yeah. you saw that thing shaking up and down that was like the oh shit um <laughs> you're like kicking it in a gear dude or this mm -hmm. is, is going south fast and yeah. it, you'd always get in your head of like, I would go back and forth of whether I would look at the counter or not. Cause you could, you could optionally essentially choose to ignore that feedback if you would like. And yeah. I, 
I would talk to myself being like, look, if, if I get the counter shaken up and down too early in the race, I'm not looking at the thing. Like I'll make yeah. an adjustment, but I'm not looking at it because the last thing I need is to make that adjustment and then just see it like keep shaking up and down for the next five times that I'm going by it. Like yeah. that's just going to get in my head more and more. Um, so I love, love how you brought that up of just knowing when to, do you think it's more of a case of knowing when to check into those external ma- metrics and knowing when to op- basically like opt into ignoring them? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think it's a combination of that and then being able to remember that like where you're at right now has no, um, there goes the lights again. It has no barrier in terms of where you could go. Right. Mm-hmm. So even in that example, I'm thinking like, obviously I wouldn't have thought this as an athlete. We know where my mindset was, <laughs> but that feedback should have been relatively neutral to you. Whereas you're like, oh, if it's going side to side, maybe I'll kick it up a little bit. Or if it's up and down, like, oh man, I really got to turn on like gas. Like I got it going. But because we look at that in relation to like where we're at versus where we want to go, you're saying, oh my God, it's this early in the race and I'm I'm already that far off or, oh, I thought I was doing so well, but like clearly it's moving, so I'm not doing well. <laughs> so it's, I don't know, it's interesting. And yeah, feedback is neutral, but the way that we relate to it is what makes it positive or negative. Mm. How would, last question kind of <laughs> before we, we wrap things, be curious on that breath, how do you get people to buy in and how have you gotten your athletes to buy into to neutral feedback? Hmm. Well, I think a big conversation is like, how does it make you feel right now where you're at in the way that you seek feedback um, or the way that you look at feedback? And if what you want is truly to develop and get better, does looking at feedback as an evaluation of how good you are, how worthy you are, how dedicated you are, whatever it is, is that putting you in a good headspace to perform well? The answer is normally no. And then you get, I get into a question about, okay, well, so what emotions are you feeling when you are performing well? Happy, loose, relaxed. So why would you let feedback dedicate or dictate whether or not you're able to feel that feeling. So the buy-in comes from like, how do you want to feel in the process? Do you want to feel loose, relaxed, happy? Do you want to maybe enjoy a sport? Which reminder, it's a game. (laughs) You should have fun. And you play better when you're having fun. Or do you want to continue down this path where it's freaking hard all the time? And as soon as you slip up, you're going to hate yourself for it. And you're not going to enjoy the process. And you're probably going to end up burning out along the way. Mm. So good. Heavy. (laughs) You know, I I wish these, you know, what I love about being able to do this podcast is these are the kind of conversations and the kind of things I wish I heard. And it sounds like in a lot of breath, you as well. I want to put words into your mouth, but oh no, I needed this so bad. <laughs> if this existed, you know, five, 10, 15 years ago, even I think of how mm. much of a difference 
that would make. Yeah. And I mean, I was a psych major and I still wasn't hearing this stuff. <laughs> Which is <laughs> wild, right? Yeah, because I was so bought into the way that I had been doing things that I wasn't listening for anything else. Mm. And it took like, you know, that one big thing happening that I was like, okay, don't want to do it this way anymore because I don't think I'm going to be doing it much longer if I am. Yeah. And it, it's a shame that that's usually what it takes to get us to to shake yeah. and wake up to to mm-hmm. what is a new way of doing things, a new experience yeah. in that process. Lauren, thank you so much for, for coming on. Where can those listening in find you? I, I just want to highlight the work that you continue to do, this stuff mm-hmm. that you continue to put out. Where can those who've made it this far continue to stay in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my social uh, Instagram is at Lauren Willie 17. Um, you can find me at elitehighperformance.com. Um, and actually as a, like a thank you for getting to this portion, if you're really interested in some of the work that I do, um, we're going to create a, a discount offer for anyone who's coming from this place. Um, I think the code is forever 10 on the website. So if you're interested in brain training for athletes or getting into some corporate leadership, um, it's it's a great first place to start just to have that conversation on your own. And if you reach the place where you're like, okay, I think I want to do something about this, hop on over um, EliteHighPerformance.com and or send me a message on Instagram. I'd be happy to have a conversation about it as well. Um, but yeah. Amazing. A little Easter egg, a little bonus yeah. there for people yeah. that made it this far. I love oh, it. Absolutely. We'll we'll have all of that linked below in the show notes. Um, but Lauren, again, thank you so much for the time. I know you're busy and in season right now, so I really do appreciate it. Yeah, you know, it's um it's these kind of conversations are regenerating. And I'm actually going out for uh some dinner and drinks with a couple of our friends here and at Stonehill. So this is a recovery night for me. It's, it's starting off very well. Let's say that. Let's go. I get to go to home Depot after this. So a little less exciting. (laughs) Well, I hope that you see a dog while you're there. (laughs) Of course that that would make it appreciate you taking the time to listen. I want to introduce a gentleman's agreement. If you've made it this far, I'm committed to sharing top-notch value with you each week. All I ask in return is that if you've been listening to the show for a while, or this is your first time here even, take a minute to subscribe wherever it is that you're listening into, and share this episode or your favorite episode with a friend. Subscribers and shares actually go a long way in helping me and the show continue to grow and get enough traction to justify bringing on bigger guests and bigger value to you, the listener. With over 200 episodes into this thing, you know I'm going to hold up my end of this agreement here. So take that 30 seconds to subscribe wherever it is that you're listening to. I look forward to continuing to grow alongside with you here in 2023. And until next week, flow on, my friends.